Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Movies, Films, and Flicks. I am Mark Hoffmeyer, and joining me is a man that just finished up grilling some delicious CB steak. It's Adam Hodgins. Mark, I uh, I grilled up CB steak, and <laughs> I went to the store to get seasonings for it, and they were out of seasonings, so I just bought the shelves. <laughs> do, do you put some old Costner seasoning on top of the, uh, the sea yeah, beast? just... I, most of what they're eating is charcoal. It looks like, like it's just he's just he has a fire. I don't know what he's burning, but he's got a fire on his boat. And he's <laughs> and he's putting huge slabs of sea beast onto like onto the fire. I don't. There's no grill involved here. There's no cooking surface. He's just make it hot, and that will do it. It's a majestic sea beast, and the two people on his boat are hungry. So he's like, you know what? I'll give you lunch. So he jumps off the side of a boat. A gigantic sea beast eats him. Misses with all of his all of its teeth. Right. He then blows a hole through the side of it. There's no dynamite that we see from this spear. No, it's a spear. He blows yes. the hole through the side of it. The boat's still going. So no longer is the boat attached. So then the boat keeps going. So he has he kills the sea beast. He crawls out of it. He swims to the boat. He returns the boat back to where he killed the sea beast. He swims down to get meat from the sea beast. And then he swims back up to give them maybe four pounds of sea beast steak. So and an eyeball. An annoyed an annoyed mariner. Just he's like you don't fish here. He kills a four thousand pound sea beast for four pounds of meat. He's not salting it. There's no salting. No, it is. It's going to be eaten by some megalodons. But <laughs> I don't, so, so here's the thing, Mark. The movie is played. The movie is played to show, like, Mariner's a mean jerk and the ladies are nice. Why can't he be nicer to the ladies? But he saved them. It's his boat. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you ever have someone come to your house with their children and then they just kind of let them loose? And then it's up to you to enforce the rules of your house and the children. The parents don't help. That's what's going on here. She should be like, listen, um, Honora, if you want a crayon, you have to go and ask the mariner for it. They're not yours to take. 
Yeah. She needs to be on his side, but instead she's like, he's just a little girl. And I'm like, well, that, that yeah, my kids were little at one point in time. I didn't let them do whatever they wanted because they were little. Yeah, on, no respect for the boat. On Raising Arizona, when the child wrote fart on the walls of, of Nicolas Cage's trailer, that's not good. No. You don't go write fart on other people's homes or boats. Especially with a stolen crayon. <laughs> Which, if you think about it, that crayon is basically the same thing as a fossil. It's yeah. the same as a cave painting right now. That crayon is... If there was currency in the... You, you know what I loved? All right, I'm just going to go way back to 1995 when I was 13. I didn't oh. think anything about any of this. Now, I knew about... How, you know what's interesting? At 13 years old, pre-internet, I knew how expensive this movie was. Because for some reason, Adam, like everywhere you went, anywhere, the grocery store, uh, the bowling alley, someone just points, taps you on the shoulder and you're like, hey, you know that uh, Waterworld is like really over budget? And you're like, oh, yeah, that's crazy. Right. So at, at 13. Okay, is stuck on a boat somewhere right now. <laughs> yeah, there's. He's, I know we're watching the movie, but I'm pretty sure he's still on a boat. So we're watching this movie, but at 13, I didn't care about any of that. That wasn't my money, right? No. I didn't spend a dime <laughs> making Waterworld. I really didn't. And so I when I dollars go see it. When I watched it when I was 13, it was magical. There were sea beasts. There were, I mean, I knew Costner. Dennis Den Hoppers. You know, since I, you know, my family grew like I have a lot of family in Iowa, so whenever I went home for some reason, we watched Field of Dreams. That's pretty much all we watched. So I watch Field of Dreams all the time. And Dance with the Wolves. I'm pretty sure they bought the VHS at a McDonald's. But you watch... Yes! Yes. Yeah. Nice pull. We got our Dance with the Wolves VHS at McDonald's. Yeah, exactly. And so I knew Costner. I knew that they were Seabees. I knew that I knew that Dennis Hopper was from Speed. I knew that... I mean, they were... Mo like, it was... That movie, to me, when I was 13, was amazing. Because it's a hundred and something... $170 million movie <laughs> that... They built the sets. They built the atoll. They, uh, you know, you watch all these videos, the best production design, they always bring up the atoll. You watch this movie. They filmed it in Hawaii on a place that nobody should have ever filmed because it it's destroys <laughs> it destroys everything. But yeah. I'm telling you, so we're talking about all this. What a I think we, you and I, and maybe we're talking about this today. I've written about this before. I was on the Exploding Helicopter podcast. We talked, we did a April Fool's Day uh, joke episode about uh, exploding jet skis and we talked about this movie yes. i think the reason i'm still talking about this movie what 27 years later is that it was amazing when i was 13 <laughs> you know, i'm gonna i'm gonna give you a, a hot take here mark and maybe this will disqualify me from being a guest in the future i don't know but i'm just gonna throw it out there the young blood episode didn't do that the icebreaker episode didn't do that you have a spot for life man aside from robin hood this is my top tier costner whoa he, he okay so now, I understand Untouchables is great. Dances with Wolves is great. Um, I understand Feel of Dreams, Bull Durham. Um, they're all like these classic movies that he's in. Like he, he does great stuff. Great stuff. This movie, he wanted to make. Oh, yeah. Nobody, nobody said like no one was going to stop him from making this movie. And you can tell when he he, he wanted to play this role. Right. Like it, it's it's the role that he was like, I'm going to be Mad Max on water, which was like the pitch. Yeah. Which mm -hmm. sold me on it. Like my Done. dad's like, I remember my dad telling me, he's like, well, when I go see Waterworld, he's like, what's that about? He's like, it's kind of like Mad Max on water. I'm like, get in the car. Like, what are we waiting for? <laughs> Mad Max on water? Yes, please. 
right? And it, it was, it's just, and this, so we've done Steel Dawn, we've done Reign of Fire, yep, right? We, you, I'm well versed and 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 you know documented saying that the post-apocalyptic movie is my favorite genre of movie. Do you like Book of Eli? Love Book of Eli. We need to do that. We need to do Book of Eli soon. Yeah, uh, it's like I love it. I love Cyborg. I love Mad <laughs> we need to do that. Let's just do a. Th- I, I, I'm obsessed with post-apocalyptic movies, man. It's but I think the reason I love them so much is nobody spells out the rules. They just say things went askew. This is the world now, and so they'll they'll have like their own language and their own like swear words and like you know there how many chits you got. I'm like, well, I don't know what a chit is, but I know that it's money. So I don't know the value of what, how much is a, is a chit, right? And how much dirt does a chit get you? And like, it's, it's, but if they just throw you in and you're just like, yeah, okay, I'm along for the ride. Like, here we go. This, this is what it's going to be. And and I love that. And I think this movie did that very, very, very well. Oh, I mean, listen, I mean, it sets you in, he pees, he drinks it. A guy robs him for his limes. He kills the guy who robs his limes and he escapes jet skis. In that world, in this, in the, in the first 10 minutes, that's the first 10 minutes. You're like, yeah. okay, this guy's a beast. His boat is awesome. You do not steal limes. They are a commodity. And there are vultures out there on jet skis who will kill you if you have available resources. Yeah. And it sets everything up beautifully. It really does. And, and, and going back to Costner, when I was on – I can't take this idea for myself. But when I was on the Exploding Helicopter podcast, uh, Will mentioned that this is probably one of Costner's only action roles. So yes, he's done his later ones where he's done uh, what three days to die. Yeah. Uh, he's done those, but like they're not—they're more like Liam Neeson, Three Days to Kill. He's done more like Liam Neeson mil- roles later in his life. Yeah, but if you low if you, capable guy, if you look at Open Range, and I—I I, I said this—I said this on the podcast. He's one of the best cinematic walkers you'll ever meet. So when you watch him. Bull Durham walks a lot. Fill the dreams. All he does is walk. Yeah. Dance with wolves. A lot of walking. Prince no of dancing, Thieves. Actually. In your in your face. Like I was gonna say in your face right now. In your in your like this is this is way this is going back to some of my old classics here. Bread store. Uh, listen to the Con Air episode. So close your eyes right now and can you think of a scene where Costner runs in a movie? Just just um, think and like but not just like one. I, I have one in my mind, but only because I love the movie so much. What's that? It's when Costner and Morgan Freeman jump off of the the wall onto the hay and then run to the horses because uh, Marion is calling to get out, oh, out of there. No, that's perfect. Other, other than that, does not a run. So he's one of the best walkers of cinema. Waterworld, though. Wyatt Earp, Wyatt Earp is walking. That movie was top shelf. All he does is walk. If you open range, he's walking. He's always walking. For the love of the game, he's a pitcher. Pitchers don't run. So you're just thinking about all these scenes of – Kevin Costner walking, and you go back to Waterworld. He is, I mean, he's not swimming as fast, but he's swimming. Dude, he's I jumping. Don't talk about his walking in the Postman. All he does is walk. He just walks across can- like the, the country. All he, that's it. And so all he does is walk. In in Waterworld though, he's 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 turning his catamaran. He's doing little flips. He's being very accurate. So he's an athletic man, but in this one he is. He's jumping, he's flipping, he's swimming, he's swinging. He's doing the monofin swim. Yeah. And so this is his probably his most athletic role. Did that have an effect on you watching this Costner role? So wa- watching it now, I'm impressed with what he's doing. Watching it when I was, you know, 
13 years old, I was just like, I'm in. Like, like you know, this is this is just what it is. And again, I, I go back to it. it. It was maybe a little past it, but there was a time in your life, and it's like there was no such thing as a good or bad movie. It was just a movie. Yeah. I get I get to watch a movie. Dude. Right. But I think this was the first one. I remember being in the bus and people being like, "Oh, it's too much. That movie's gonna suck." And people were talking about that way before it even came out. Yep. I was like, "Why is Stephen Hill talking to me about Waterworld that he's even out yet? Like, how, how does he have an opinion?" He just told me that Indian in the Cupboard is the greatest movie ever made. Why is he telling me that the Waterworld is going to be terrible? Yeah, why are you dogging on Waterworld right now? Right? And so I, I remember it being the first movie that people went to ahead of time with the, with the, the mindset of like, oh, this might suck. Yeah. And also, I think the narrative about this movie is wrong because I just want to drop some numbers on you. 1990, Dance of the Wolves made $424 million worldwide in 1990. Then he goes on to make Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, $391 million. Smash hit. JFK, $205 million. This is going to drop your jaw. Just be ready for it. The Bodyguard, $411 million. That was huge. Then he goes through a little bit of an issue. He does A Perfect World, which is good. Clint Eastwood, $31 million. That's fine for that movie. That movie is beautiful. It is. It's a wonderful movie. And it's, it's Eastwood crushing it. Then you have... Wyatt Earp, which made $25 million. Dud. It was a dud. And I'm not hating on it, but I'm just talking about as far as... Do you think it was a dud because of Tombstone? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think if that movie came out a year after or a year before, it would have been great. Oh, I 100% agree with you. Uh, Public sentiment had been set. And so when that came out, then he did The War, which was good. Uh, Elijah Wood, I remember seeing that in theaters, 94, $16 million. But then he does Waterworld. And everyone talks about Waterworld being a dud, but Waterworld made $264 million worldwide. So right. even if it cost 150 to $170 million, then let's put advertising $40 million in. 40, oh, you know what? Let's just do it. Let's put $150 million in. So we're up to, what, $220 million? Yeah. This movie made a profit. Yeah. And a VHS with the following years, with the the you what uh with the the extra cuts with the the ca- this movie's always on cable, the cable cut that added all the extra stuff into it. This Which is the Ulysses cut. The Ulysses cut. I was gonna call the um the Odyssey cut for some reason because he goes on like the trip. But right. for me, are you, are you team Ulysses or team Jonah for his name? <clears throat> oh, Jonah. Right. That, that's the better name. Yeah. No Ulysses. Come on now. Um, but this movie. And I, it's not a dud. This was not a dud. And I, I just think it's the strangest thing where public said to like pu- the public ideal of this movie before it came out was that it cost too much and it was a dud. Then everyone afterwards thought this movie was a dud. This movie was a box office disaster. But no, like Mars Needs Mom is a box office disaster. Right. This movie made money even after like expenses. So. I think before and after this movie has gotten a bad rap and it's really interesting to see how reports and public opinions. And I mean, there's an EW article and it was pretty, pretty damaging towards the movie where Costner's like, do you think Costner was editing this movie during the summer? He's like, do you think I want to be here? He's like, I could be fishing right now. I don't want to be here. Kevin Reynolds, who he had worked with twice beforehand, made huge films. He's like, he took over the editing bay from him. And I think this, the drama behind it and the divorces during production and yeah. 
the shooting on water and the atoll not having a bathroom, even though it did. And Tina Margarino wearing a prisoner outfit during a Halloween thing. And uh, Jeannie Triplehorn saying she had Stockholm Syndrome while filming. There was a lot going on in this movie. But it's still a successful film. Yeah, and, and it, it yeah. holds up. You watch it today. And I think one of our first one of our first episodes was uh, the 13th Warrior. Yep. Go listen to so that. Also, also uh, watch the movie and listen to the episode. But in that, we talked about in-camera effects lasting much longer than CG. And this was a this was we we were on the cusp of like really bad CG coming out in, in around this uh, Waterworld time. But this was all like they went and they built all these sets, right? And so it all looks great, all of it. It looks beautiful. And the costumes? The I, so his his costume is one of my all-time favorite movie costumes with the amount of detail they put into that. I mean, the sleeveless tees. Like, he got, like, and, like, even it, Gene like, Triplehorn, Tina Margarino, Dennis Hopper with his eye patch, they all look great. But his his, his outfit's all fish skin sewed together. Yeah. And you could do that. You, you yeah. could take fish and you could turn it. You could, I mean, I don't know if they had tannins, but you could turn it into a. You'll figure out a way. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, listen, the the one nice thing though is when I was 13, I didn't think like this world has been underwater for hundreds of years, hundreds because yeah. mutations have caused, but they're still cigarettes. Like I never, it wasn't until 2022 when I thought those cigarettes are hundreds of years old. Yeah. Right. But I never thought about that when I was 13. But who cares? You don't know why? Because they are the smokers. And the smokers smoke cigarettes. Right. On a boat loaded with oil that could explode at any time. And and it's beautiful. And it spectacularly does. But you know why we didn't care? Because we didn't need to care. They told us, here's the rules. These are bad guys. They have a a boat full of cigarettes. You're like, okay. Right, these guys. This boat is a set of double dragon. Just understand that, yep. and then we'll move on. You know, no one explained in Mad Max two and three where the gasoline was coming from. No, didn't matter. No one, and like you know, you watch even the current crop of movies, the you know, the current MCU movies with so many different timelines, so many different afterlives. None of it makes sense. But you have Costner and cigarettes, and people are like that doesn't make sense. I think there's an interesting thing, right, with selective complaining where if you break down like, there's a scene we love the fast and furious franchise but there's a scene where dwayne johnson throws a 250 pound man like a beach ball that's just as unbelievable as cigarettes lasting hundreds of years but for right. some reason Waterworld just got targeted with all of this disdain and you're right you were you were talking to your friends like ah, no none of my friends would go see this movie with me none of them I, again i went with my dad in the time era when i would go with my friends every friday night to the movie this is what we did it was oh. four hours to get in. And I was like, well, Dad, you want to go see this movie? Because, like, no one else wants to go see it. I Picture this. I felt like I got dropped off at the theater. And it was like my mom dropped me off with, like, a stick and a handkerchief yeah. loaded with a few things. Like, sending me off just to go walk the earth to go see Waterworld. Like, <laughs> nobody wanted to watch it with me. No. And, it was and just, yeah. It, like you say, it's so fun. So, Mark, I, I hate um, TikTok trends. Of like, hey, let's rip the heads off LeBron James toys and let's, you know, do the TikTok challenge of the heart. Like all, all those challenges. I would love if the Waterworld challenge came out. Ooh. And it was how many limes can you steal from your grocery store and then brag about it in the parking lot. Be like, hey, 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 and juggle them. Oh, my gosh. 
I'd get arrested for that. You know, I got I got cheese. My truck got cheese because of TikTok. It got cheese? Yeah. I hate that. You know, have you heard about the cheese thing? Where they throw slices of cheese at stuff? Yeah, my truck got cheesed. And you know what's funny? I went to go walk in and open up the driver's side of my truck, and I saw a slice of cheese on there, and I just laughed. Because it's so harmless. It's not an egg. It's not... <laughs> I was like, I got cheesed. Like, it's no Gouda. Um, no Gouda. But remember Spy Hard? Like, when I'm done with you, you're going to look like Swiss cheese. That's no Gouda. That's one of the funniest things that's... I think... I respected the person that cheesed my truck because it was so non-offensive, if, if that makes sense. No, I, I get it. I get it. But no, you're right. I, I just – I would love the water world. Steal limes. But wait. Maybe we maybe we don't break the law. Maybe it's how many limes can you juggle on yeah, a boat. Exactly. On a boat. On a canoe. You got you to gotta get a canoe, and then you got to juggle limes. That's the water world challenge. Like you can't be on a yacht. You have to be on an imbalanced yeah, paddleboard. You, your juggling throws the whole – boat away you have to be standing and either on a paddle board or a canoe yeah oh my gosh okay. I, could, I couldn't do any of them i have a canoe we'll take it out we'll, we'll be the first one to do it TikTok, Please do it. water world challenge juggling limes in a canoe uh, well you know what then if you do it i'll drive up to uh the mountains in georgia where i can get a canoe from my in-laws place and then i can just go out on a lake and do it i can't Perfect. juggle no, but I can I can toss limes around. Yeah, I'll just throw limes in the air and then fall in the water. Yeah, maybe I'll, I'll Kevin James it. Yes, or maybe it's you have a, a someone in the boat with you that throws your limes overboard, and you got to go under the water and see what you can get. Oh, just you got to come back up. Don't sue us. Yeah. No, you don't die getting the limes. Know your limits. Yeah. <laughs> Six limes go in, and you got to get as many as you can. Uh, and you can do – oh, wow. Dude, wait, don't limes float? Because Mitch Hedberg was saved by the buoyancy of citrus. <laughs> limes float. If they float, this whole thing is for naught. So wait. Okay. Limes float. What do you think the ratio of limes to tomatoes is in value? Like, What would you rather have, a lime plant or tomato plant? What prevents scurvy? Do limes prevent lime scurvy? Limes prevent scurvy. That's okay, what they so do. lime. Lime's, that, more, limes like four tomatoes. Yeah, so I think that like a lime is something that you don't, you can't eat a lot of it, so it's going to last longer. Yeah, it's also going to be refreshing. Lime's going to wake you up. Tomato's going to put you to sleep. I would crush a tomato, no problem, but I wouldn't crush a lime. No, you got to savor those things. And I don't want scurvy. No one wants scurvy. You know, it's interesting when you first mentioned that to me. I thought like one tomato, four limes, but then I quickly changed it since I've watched Our Flag Means Death, the show on HBO with Taika Waititi. And I started thinking about scurvy. So, yeah, you know what? Limes are more precious than tomatoes. My dad was in university in 1970 to 1974. And he had a roommate his second year who had very strict rules at home. So when he came to university level, he just kind of like, I'm just going to eat cake every day. And he went home at the Christmas break and had scurvy because he <laughs> – <laughs> so early he got scurvy he just ate cake and cookies all the time and didn't have any vegetables or fruits and the guy got scurvy how crazy is that wow yeah i mean i didn't even come close to that no so no. you know what even though you're in you're on a boat too so you need those lines you gotta have the lines and they also work as a personal flotation device as mitch Hedberg said <laughs> saved by the buoyancy of citrus saved by the buoyancy of citrus now we'll get into jet ski action scenes later because you know how much i love jet ski action scenes so that's the second half part of the episode 
Right, 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 right. Now, you're the Mariner, right? I am the Mariner. Okay. No, actually, what's your alter ego in this world? I asked you this before we joined. Like, what's – you're not you, – there's the Mariner. Who are you? I think I'd be the craftsman. I think I'm always making stuff. You're on the boat? Yeah. So that's like your – like, when people come across you, like the smokers, anybody, they don't kill you because why? Because they're like, oh, that guy can make what we need. They're like, oh, I have a sale – that's not working. Can you fix that sale for me? I, I'm the guy who can who can manufacture a piece that fits. It's like your bilge pumps aren't working. You can get in there and fix the bilge pump. Exactly. Oh, so you can craft it. So even, no matter who you come across, you could come across the um, Mediterranean Mangler Cannibal cr- Crew. Right. Mediterranean Cannibal Crew. And they're like, our human restraint chains are broken. I can... <laughs> They're like, we're not going to eat you. This isn't going to be the road. You are not going to go into a basement and find – this isn't a Cormac McCarthy novel. Right. You are this, not going to – We are not the cannibals from Judge Dredd. <laughs> Wait, Scott Wilson? <laughs> and he was in Walking Dead with cannibals, uh, zombie. Yeah. So, okay, so when the cannibals come across you, they know that you fix everything. Yeah. You know what's funny? I'm the same exact thing. I'm the guy that just can find things. So yeah. I'd be like the finder. Yeah. It's like Mark the finder Hoffmeyer. So like the cannibals come across me. Oh, Mark, Mark the map Hoffmeyer. Yeah. And, and, found. and they're like, hey, uh, so Adam Adam came and fixed our cannibal chains, but we need to find some humans <laughs> to eat. Where do I find them? Okay. So what you do is you take a left and then you take a right and then you go here and then you go over here. And they're like, oh, thanks, Mark. So like cannibals won't kill me because they're like, listen, we could snack on him. He's probably fine protein. But if we stick with him, he'll guide us to 14 other people, which is a better meal. Right, which is if you let a cannibal eat you, you feed him for a day. But if you teach a cannibal to find other humans, you feed him for a week. <laughs> the grossest thing ever is actually <laughs> I want that t-shirt. Sometimes we forget cannibalism is real. <laughs> yeah, a sea beast sees me. Mark. You know, okay. Hey, listen, you don't want me. Go here, take a left. Take a right at the trout. You'll see that purple coral. Take a left. You'll yeah, find I, an atoll. I'm, I know. I'm I'm with you for cigarettes exist and they can refine the oil and I and we live in the world. My one, not even a complaint, but my one, hmm, of the movie. How big do you think that sea beast was? Fifty feet. Fifty feet. You know his, his eyeball was the same size as a human eyeball. A very impractical monster. Right, like that thing can't see nothing. It would have impaled every inch of the mariner <laughs> when it swallowed him. Right. And why are jet skis totally fine on the water? Why and, would he throw I, Tina Margarino in the water? Why are atolls safe? That monster could take out an entire atoll on its own. So I think I think that um, I think that he went to a certain depth when he swam down. Because I know that when we would go fishing on Lake Superior, if you wanted to catch the big lake trout, the 20-plus pound lake trout, you had to use a downrigger. You know what a downrigger is, Mark? Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to, to get the, the bigger – like a bigger bobber, like a bigger weight to take the yeah, – take it down it further. Yeah, brings your down to like 100 yeah. feet. And so that's big fish. Lake. No, but he but, was just being trolled on the ocean, yeah, on the I top. Think, I think he went down. I, I, I think – I don't know. No, because he was behind the boat just being pulled. That monster was really close. He went, you know what? 
you know what, Tina Margarino, I'm angry at you. So he jumps out the back of the rope, the boat, and he just gets dragged for 100 feet. And he slaps on some water and a sea beast attacks him. Then they eat four pounds of it. So he didn't even go deep. When he went deep with with um, Genie Triplehorn, nothing right. attacked him. Nothing attacked him. No, wait, real, I have a tough question for you. So there's a scene where Tina Margarino, Enola, is on the boat when Mariner and Helen are underwater. And she sees sharks. Are those real sharks or are those smokers? I think those are smokers. I took it to be smokers. Like smoker, like Navy SEALs? Well, I, like, or just like... Frogmen? No, like 13-year-old smokers with like funny funny fins on their heads. Like, tee-hee-hee. So... Because I feel like if they were real sharks, they would have they would have been a, more of a plot device. Like, I feel like they would have been used, used better. Yeah. That may be the worst use of a shark ever. Because they never explain that. And then, no. then she gets her boat taken over. So are those they we know that they stick themselves underwater as traps. Right. Which I don't quite get yet either. Do they the my biggest problem with this movie is they don't understand the ocean and how big it is because when when the smokers set up that trap when they, they don't understand the ocean in water. When they set up that trap to catch the mariner, he is miles away from them. Miles. So they would have had to have taken their boats and just hauled butt to get, I'm talk, I'm telling you, a day ahead of them to kill people, to rig them up, and to tie them up, yeah. knowing that he's going to go there. That means they couldn't have gone the direct line that the Mariner's going in. They had to go around the Mariner. So they are covering thousands of miles <laughs> of rough terrain in jet skis that, you know, I, I did the mileage on jet skis. You don't get that many miles on jet skis. Oh, they are a recreational close proximity to the dock vehicle at best. And that big boat they have does not move. They had to de- get everybody to row it. Right. So that doesn't make sense to me, but other, but still a great gag. A great, a great, and that's the thing, right? The gags are so fun that later on you can think about it. In the moment you're like, I'm in. I'm just, yeah, yeah let's water. Perfect. Let's do this thing. Like. I guess the but you get the visual of jet skis underwater. You see it. That yeah. production took jet skis and tied them underwater. Yeah. So when you see that on screen, you're like, oh, okay, cool. They're tied underwater. It makes sense. It's fine. Like when you see it practically, I think your brain subconsciously just thinks, yeah, this makes sense. It's cool. So speaking speaking of my brain, um, <laughs> going back and rewatching this, <laughs> pure joy when Kim Coates shows up. Is that scene needed? No, but he's great. But I love how he popped up in in Jack Black too. Sorry, I gotta throw that out there. Yeah, um, he has a big for a movie about this having Kim Coates' character for ten minutes is an odd choice. Do you think they said nothing better to do, and so they just had him? I don't. I don't know what it what it was. I think it again the device is to show that like Kevin Costner is growing as a character, right? He's not. He views he views her as a person, not a thing. Mm-hmm. Is what that moment is. I think they could have told that in, in a different way. But when Kim Coach shows up and just starts chewing all the scenery and just like everything he does when he's bouncing all around, like just let him go. And I was like, this guy, I want to see his movie. I want to see what got him to that point. Yeah, because he's been around. Because when he was born, the world was ocean. Right. He was born into the water. So he is on his own surviving. Yeah. So he must be a horrible, horrible yeah, survivor? He, he, well, I, no, I think he, he's not surviving anything because he just exists in that world. Like that's just who he is, right? Like I think that all it is is that he just um, that's all the only world he knows. He's just a, kind of a jerk. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's a 
<clears throat> I guess you just trade. And I guess the things that he sees on that boat, you never really see that often. No. But yeah, yeah, Kim Coates popping up. I mean, listen, I love Kim Coates. I mean, Goon is his best role ever. I know a lot of people love him in that motorcycle show. Like, yes. Sons of Anarchy. I don't, I don't really like that show. Do you like? Son, did you like Sons of Anarchy? So I, I loved it, and I felt bad about loving it. I just, I don't know, man. I had to deal with some biker gang people growing up, and I just don't like it's them being romanticized. Me, it's a foreign world to me. I live in Canada, where mostly we're too polite to have bikers. <laughs> there are some gangs here that exist. I'm, I'm sure of it. And, uh, but I was like, yeah, like, I don't, I don't know. I think there's real polite bikers. I just gotta I, get over myself. I mean, but I, I, I loved it. Like it was one of those movies that you or shows that you watched it, and I was like, I'm in. Like I'm, I'm, I'm captivated beyond. So even Breaking Bad, like I hate the drug culture so much. I, mm-hmm. I've been Breaking Bad for so long. It's like I don't want to watch guys in the drug world. I don't want to watch it. It's not fun for me. And finally I did, and I was like, oh, man, this movie's good. The show's good. Like it's, it's so well written. You know when Breaking Bad got good for me is when he his wife finally figured out that he dealt drugs. Yeah. Because for three seasons it was just, do you deal drugs? Like why is this cell phone? How dare you call me out about this cell phone? Why? I'm not lying. I'm telling the truth. He's like, hey, why are you funneling money? How dare you? Like, this is when his wife finally, when Skyler finally found out. I was like, oh, I can enjoy the show now. Because yeah, he, this is him lying and, like, pontificating the whole time. Yeah, no, he was excellent at acting like he couldn't lie well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And magnets. And magnets. What would you, tra- okay, you're a mariner. What would you trade for magnets? If I was a mariner, and the, so he can go shopping, though, right? Because he can drive down to the bottom of the ocean and find stuff. Yeah. So he kind of the world's his oyster. So he's got because he's got those mirrors which he shines at those kids. For no, like, you're hey. you. Actually, you're you. What I'm would you me. trade? You're 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 um, the maker, the carpenter. What was your name of your character? The maker. The maker. Okay, so what would you trade for magnets in this world? Um, I think what I would trade is hinges. Hinges are important. I think I think I've discovered a way. I've manufactured some some hinges out of whatever I have, and that gets doors closed. That makes hatches go. I think hinges are huge in this world. Rudders can go back and forth because of hinges. I, I think like a socket wrench too, or like an Allen wrench, would be really important. It is, but I think that I need to be able to make a commodity that I can reproduce. I'm the only yeah. guy who does it, but I'm like, hey, I'm the hinge guy. Yeah, it's true. Right? Hinges are great for magnets. Yeah. Because what are you going to do with magnets? Science. Right? Well, like the average – what's the average guy going to do with, with, with magnets, right? Well, what could you – could you make a thing underwater where you bring magnets underwater and you attach them to metal objects underwater? Then you can drag them up? Like you take a magnet – So there's a little fishing area. Um, there's an ice cream place in my town called Moolicious where you go there and eat ice cream. Um, and there's a, a river. You mean frozen it. milk? Frozen milk. You can go to the frozen milk store. <laughs> <laughs> you go to the frozen milk store, and uh, there's a little river out back, and there's a little dock, and you can fish off the dock. But on the dock is a rope tied to a magnet. Hey. And I was like, "What's that about?" And it's for getting lost lures back. Hey. So guys throw the magnet, and they drag the bottom, and they get fishing lures, and they bring them back up if they're lost. So if you're at an atoll, you could drop the magnets down to the bottom of the ocean. You can find knives, swords, guns, all kinds of stuff. Copies of Steel Dawn, Steel right. Case, Blu-rays. I want to say what a staple of the time and a staple of post-apocalyptic movies, I think, because they were in 
um, Book of Eli as well. I think they're in Mad Max. Is those real janky knives that come up and then go in like a, a forty-five degree angle that he? Had? <laughs> yes, yes. What's the practical use for that thing? Why like, does what, why does everyone have? Cur- I feel like there's some of those in Cyborg too. Yeah, it's like the boomerang knife for some reason. Why does okay? Why does everyone have curved knives right. in post-apocalyptic movies? And now, Mark, when we're on the when we're watching Icebreaker on our annual Icebreaker ski trip, <laughs> we like to hit the slopes. Yeah. But the thing that we don't like is how uncomfortable the ski boots are. They're there for a reason, but they're uncomfortable to wear, and it's nice to take them off at the end of the day. These guys were fighting over that pair of ski boots. They yeah, they not, were. They can't swim in those. It's the, it's the worst possible thing you could wear on your feet in this movie is those pair of ski boots. Yeah, you're right. Style? Maybe. I think it's just the idea of having something, right? I yeah, know. you're right. Your own thing. Your own thing that existed 1,000 years prior. Right, and you have no idea what it actually is. Like, if I saw a Sonic the Hedgehog cartridge, I would fight for it, even though I couldn't play it. Right. Just to know I have it. Speaking of Sonic the Hedgehog cartridge, Mark, <laughs> young Adam loved this movie so much, he definitely bought the Sega Genesis cartridge game. Wait, six- there was a game? Sixty four ninety nine is what I paid for it. Wait, 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 my- you paid 60 60- wait, 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 there's a Waterworld Sega game? Yeah. No, there wasn't. Yeah, there was. Oh my gosh. You know what's interesting? I once paid $50 for – well, my mom got me a $50 game one time, and I felt terrible because I thought, like, it was too expensive. And I never got another video game so expensive. And video games were expensive. Like, $50 was a lot of money back in 93. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. This was a video game. What was it? So it was disappointing is what it was. The two most disappointing games I ever had for Sega Genesis were Waterworld and Cliffhanger. Um but so you start and you're his boat and you have to find a toll. But there's no map, it's just the ocean. And if you go in the wrong direction, you can go for hours and you're not finding anything. And then planes and jet skis come and attack you and you gotta fight them off until you find the city. And then when you go there, it turns into like a side scrolling like maze kind of um game and it's really hard and it, and it, I haven't got past the second level to this day. Well, so you just float around the ocean? Yeah, it looks like you protect the tolls. Yeah. It's That's exactly- amazing. Hey, what about the toys? So I was looking online. Actually, how about this? Let's take a quick break, and then when we come back, we'll talk about the toy line. Since you're it. the host of the Go Figure YouTube show. Since I know a thing or two about action figures. That I adore. So let's take a quick break, and then when we come right back, we'll talk more about the, the Waterworld toy line. We'll be right back. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to Movies, Films, and Flakes. And I just gotta say... Speaking of Kevin Costner, I love your episode of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, where you came up with the second edition of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves action figures based on promo art. Right. And you came up with them by making by taking the first edition of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves action figures and adapting them into the second thing. Yeah. And it was. I got so Megan. I, I I told you this beforehand, but I'm telling you, Megan, who uh, my wife, she's on the show a lot. She's been with us a lot on this show. She loved that. She loves your show because there's an actual product 
to your show. Your so show, <laughs> your, you know what's interesting? Like, so Megan and I, I think we get so annoyed nowadays when things waste our time. Yes. But then we watch your show, and something actually is made. <laughs> and it, Probably my new tagline. It's, um, go figure. We never will waste Megan's time. It's very no, I'm, like it's very um, refreshing. It's very positive. It's nice. Uh, you know, it's funny. I uh, actually said that Top Gun Maverick features the best knob turning and button pushing ever, and someone made a fake poster with me saying that quote, Mark Hoffmeyer. But your show, uh, you make things and you show cool hacks to make something into something that doesn't exist or how to fix your characters. And Beauty. They, you, you know, I tell my students all the time, so I teach film, and a lot of them are like, well, I got this idea. I'm like, just do it. They're like, well, you know, I just got to think about it. I'm like, just do it. And so you do it and you make cool stuff. <laughs> like, that's well, what makes I me happy. I appreciate your kind words. It's uh, uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I just have I just want I just have no time for people who don't do like who just like, hey, you know what? I think I'll do this one day. No, just go do it. Right. Make it Not the time. Yeah. So tell me about the 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 Waterworld toy line, because so the world toy line um, came out and it was it was a like people say the golden era of action figures started in 78 and concluded in 93. So it was, it started when star Wars, the action figures came out and there was the three and three quarter inch line was kind of stapled as like the V one that was going to be um, affordable and could access the right vehicle size. And because star Wars was supposed to be a vehicle toy line and the figures were supposed to be just like accessories the kids could have with their vehicles. But kids like the figures the best and those were sold and it changed the industry forever. And so then that spurned on all the action figures we were growing up, right? G.I. Joe and uh, like Mask and Centurion and Superpowers and, and all, all, the, all the ones we grew up. And then in 93, when the Star Trek The Next Generation figures came up like Playmates, they started numbering them on their feet so that they would be um, marketed to like adult toy collectors. And so they, they had every like every weird character in the world got a figure every like variation of a figure got a character there was one episode are, are you a tng fan mark do you know next generation uh i've watched four episodes of it i've well, had to deal with a lot of them through comic cons and i can't stand the show because of that well there was one episode there was one episode where have you ever had to deal with any of the tng guys or crew um, when uh, I, people I, I was at um marina sirtis's table one time so i, I was her like assistant for nice. the day nice very nice and LeVar Burton is a gem. That yeah. guy, that guy is gold. But my favorite Star Trek story from a Comic Con was I was at um, um, Russ, um, Tim, Tim, Tim Russ, mm. Tim from. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I forget his name. Tim Ruck. Wait. It was Russ. I think it's Tim Russ. Is it not? Uh, from Next Gen. No, I think it, it was Voyager. Oh, I never watched that one. Oh. But he was like the guy. Who oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, Tim Russ. So he found out I was a guitar player, and all he did was talk to me about blues and jazz music, and he's like in a jazz band. And then we traded we traded CD. Oh, so, that's amazing. So somewhere, Tuvok has a copy of um, my 2003 Garage Band <laughs> CD janky printing, uh, which is real funny. But to go back to what I was saying was there was an episode with Q – where Picard said, if I wouldn't have got my stabbed in my heart when I was young, I'd be living in a better life. And so he went to an alternate future where he was a medical officer, like a low-ranking <laughs> medical officer for three minutes. 
and they made a figure of Picard as a low-ranking medical officer for three minutes. Oh, wow. They, they made so many figures that the market got oversaturated, and it became the idea of, like, well, now we're going to do to collectors. And so that's when, that's when Spawn came out, and that's when Everett's oh, wow. Maniac came out. And so that changed the business from being, this is the thing kids play with, this is the thing that adults want to collect. Right, and that went right into like episode one, and that became, you know, that, oh, 99, that, that changed, changed change it all, right? Yeah. So this figure line came out right near the end of like the golden era, maybe right past in that in that gray area. But Kenner, who had reigned supreme in, uh, you know, '78 with Star Wars and had great success with like Mask and with uh, superpowers. And they would do anything. They would just try it. So they did the Robin Hood and uh, Prince of Thieves line. That was that was them. And then so they put out this line of um, Waterworld action figures because it was just they're like, yeah, it sounds like a movie. Let's do it. Let's just put out a, a figure line and see what happens. So there was uh, eight figures altogether. Four of them were Kevin Costner. <laughs> and and if you just if you just take the figure. Like in action figure collecting, it's worth more when it's mint in package or when it has all its accessories, it has all its stuff. But if you take the figures and take all their stuff away, they're actually pretty cool looking figures. They kind of look like the characters. There's a there's a great Dennis Hopper figure, um, but they give them all these very toyetic, playable like projectile launchers. Like there's a net launcher and like a Dennis Thunder Hopper. Ski. Yeah, the Thunder Ski. Dennis Hopper's has a huge backpack that shoots discs out. <laughs> Um, there's lots of like crossbows and stuff, but if, if you are a huge Waterworld fan, you, you could do better. You, you sort of, a good place to go is to get yourself, um, a Hydro Stinger Mariner, which is the kind of the main hero, Kevin Costner figure, get rid of all his nonsense he comes with, and then get yourself a Deacon figure and get rid of all his nonsense he comes with, and then get the boat. Um, the, they made a sweet version of, the Mariner's boat, which is pretty on the nose. The Trimoran? Yeah, that's what it's called, the Trimoran. Uh, it floats. It had the harpoons like it, it actually did. So it actually is pretty movie accurate. So if you get those two figures and uh, that boat, you can have a cool little cool little homage to Waterworld there. Um, but again, I think that this is a line. So Kenner also did the Jurassic Park action figure line when Jurassic Park came out. Oh, and I had my, I had the uh, the Clever Girl toy. That's the only right? one I had. Of a girl. But again, very much here's some movie figures that don't super look like the guys on the television that we're seeing. Um, give them a bunch of like projectile like weapons and whatnot. Uh, but that action figure line, because the movie did so well and Dino Fever took over, it went on and on and on and on and on. Like they put it, it ran from 93 to 98. Oh, wow. Same figure line. It just kept, they kept rebranding it and then the sequels would come out and they would just keep, keep rebranding it and, and going and going. I think if this movie would have had a better, like, scuttlebutt, that this could be a, a hugely fun toy line. It's all water-based. You want to play in the pool. You're playing your tub. Oh, man. There's no right. jet skis. They only did a wave ripper. Yeah, they did a wave ripper. And then was it? A, they did a bad uh, a thunder ski, which is kind of a jet ski for the bad guys. Wait, uh, where's that one at? A thunder ski? Yeah, the smoker thunder ski. Waterworld toy line smoker thunder ski. Yeah, so it's kind of like uh, a, a jet ski. Oh my gosh, there is one. Yeah. 20 bucks. I'm buying it. There you go. Mark's going to have it. It's going to be great. Wait, and there's a machine gun. Oh man, I'm getting this. Do you want one? 
Yeah. All around. Just yeah. All around. <laughs> yeah, message me if you want one. <laughs> That's amazing. Wait, um, what, Berserker Rider. Wait, yeah. Smoker Thunder Ski with Berserker Rider. <laughs> right? There's one for 45 bucks. Ooh. And then there's one for 25, 20 bucks. Yeah, for 20 bucks, you buy that all day long. 45 bucks is a little bit, uh, you know, I don't know. But my favorite my favorite one was there was a Power Bow Mariner, which was um, Kevin Costner. Um, Kevin Costner shooting a bow and arrow like he was Robin Hood. Mm. And now a fun a fun fact is that they had new head sculpts for the figures um, that were, you know, like a new sculpt for the movie. But on the back of the package, the prototypes all have Robin Hood heads on them. Oh, my gosh. Because they're like, we've got a Kevin Costner head already. You don't need to make a new one. So on the, on the prototypes, they all had Robin Hood, Robin Hood heads, and then they got a new head sculpt uh, when the actual figures came out that had, like, his braid and stuff. These are amazing. Yeah. There's a jet ski. You know how yeah. I feel about jet skis. I, I know exactly how you feel about jet skis. Quick question. How much jet ski action do you think is in this movie in minutes? 17 minutes. Nine minutes and 27 seconds. That's it, eh? Yeah. I, I sat there with a stopwatch and I counted all of them. So would you say that jet skis are the Boba Fett of this movie? Yeah, you know what? I would because – He's not there very long. You know what's interesting is the 90s were huge on jet ski action scenes. We had Deep Rising. We had hard rain. You know, I ran a jet ski action scene tournament and Deep Rising won it all over Waterworld. Did you include jet ski action scenes that appeared in soap operas? No. Have you not seen that clip? No. Oh, buddy. All right. Send that to me. I'll add in the post. Yeah. So I I would say the four movies, if there was a jet ski Mount Rushmore, which is, you know, in the States, the American president's foreheads. But if there was a jet ski Mount Rushmore made out of rock. Horribly impractical. Would yeah. di- like disperse tons of rocks and probably wreck a lot of natural, beautiful things. If they made that, it would be these four movies: Deep Rising, Yep, Hard Rain, Hard Rain, Waterworld, Yep, and Police Academy Three. Police Academy Three. Yeah, because right. there's an entire action scene. The finale of the movie is based around jet skis. What about Hitch? He only kicks someone in the head. Okay. And then they go on a date. Like when, that's, when people say jet skis, I think immediately Hitch because he just wails that guy in the head. I guess I'm talking about jet ski action scenes because yeah. you have sure. entire scenes where Bobcat, Bobcat Goldthwait yells at somebody and they fall off a jet ski. In Hard Rain, you have a, sco- a jet ski chase inside of a school. In Deep Rising, you have Treat Williams and Fomke Johnson squealing with delight as a gigantic Cthulhu chases them and they shoot – Doors open with one shot from their shotgun, and then they explode from an exploding cruise liner on a jet ski. But in right. but in this movie, like let me drop some stuff down. You have you have the vultures who kill the lime stealers. You have the atoll attack. You have the scene where truck Chuck blows up one of the jet skiers. Uh, you have a jet ski exploding when it's by itself. You know, there's a scene where a jet ski just blonks into a door and it explodes. I'm like, what are they doing to these jet skis? Then you have the trap scene, which the mirror escapes from easily. This is the best the smokers can do, and he escapes. Then you have the jet ski henchman jumping from the oil tanker on fire. And then at the end, you have the three 
Dennis Hopper and two jet ski henchmen smashing into each other and blowing up while Costner bungee jumps on a rope that is not a bungee rope at cord at all. It's a rope. Just a rope. His leg his leg would have been separated from his body. But they did that on the back lock of of um yeah. in LA. So it was this is universal, wasn't it? Yeah, it might have been universal. I'm, I'm my apologies for that. Universal, but yeah. The water took over the whole world. Oh, you're right, because Universal Studios, they have a whole show, which I watch, which is 26 minutes, and I saw all the stunts. But yeah, so they have that. So, I mean, I feel like this might be the Citizen Kane of Jesky Cinema. Yeah, and I think it needs to be. And and on the Exploding Helicopter show, they called me the Roger Ebert of Jetski Cinema. So I know what I'm talking about here. Yeah. But yeah, what do you what do you think? Do you think this belongs on the Mount Rushmore of jet ski action cinema? A hundred percent, a hundred percent, it does. I, uh, I I think that this would be the one. They're like, we're gonna we're gonna start with this one. If we run into funding, at least we'll have Costner up there. Beautiful jet ski, and you know when he ramps into the boat and he kills the guy with a jet ski. What a beautiful moment! If you can use a jet ski as a weapon, then you're next level jet skiing. Yeah, everything. Okay, jet skis go underwater and go into the, into the atoll. They jump over the wall and go into the atoll. They get blown up. They drive into each other and blow up. They don't catch a boat. I feel like the good, the bad, and the ugly of jet skis are captured here. I can get behind that. Okay, hey, w- one last thing before we get out. Like before we get out here, I just want to talk about one thing. Costner in Costner. in this time of his career. So he had had this massive streak, right? He yeah. had had just. Prince of well, Thieves, JFK, Bodyguard. Like I think huge. it started with Untouchables, did yeah. it not? Oh, yeah, it started with Untouchables. He was on a run that Silverado – I mean, he was a completely different character in that one. Actually, listen to the Silverado Minute. Uh, Jay Cluett and I of the Deep Blue Sea podcast, we did five minutes of that movie. Listen to it. But we did – like he was on this massive run. But I just want to talk to you about three movies in particular. Wyatt yep. Earp, epic. Yeah. Didn't do well. Waterworld, epic. Did well, but everyone thinks it didn't do well. Right. Then the Postman flop. Like we're talking, the Postman was a hundred million dollar movie that made twenty one million worldwide. Right. So what do you like? What do you think was going on in Costner's head? So he made White Earp and it didn't do well. So he went and made an action film that did well, but everyone thought it did terribly. And he was really mad at the director Kevin Reynolds because you know Kevin Reynolds said the only movie that that Kevin Costner should make is one directed by him. So after this flop, Costner went and worked on the postman. Well, he did tin cup first wonderful movie, but his next film was the postman. So do you think the failure of Waterworld and someone else directing it, another Kevin directing it spurred Costner to make the postman another Epic that he directed himself that didn't do well. Like, what do you think was the cause and effect? Yeah, no, I, I think I think you nailed it. I think I think Costner at that point in time he he was in what I would call a, a dangerous place where the studio's like, yeah, you you kind of do what you want. Right? We're gonna give you're gonna give you your dream yeah. project, right? And so I now I'm on record as saying like I'm a fan of Postman. I think that it's underrated. I think that there's a lot of good stuff in that movie. I think if he was had a leash on and it was 15, 20 minutes shorter, it would have been much more digestible. Yeah, right. And so I think it's this idea of like, well, I'm I'm Costner, right? Even though I had a couple of flops, I can do what I want. And then he, he, again, he directs his own movie, and now he he's got the Postman in his hands. And you know, I, I definitely think it was a reaction to Waterworld because they're very much post-apocalyptic movies. Like it's it's just 
he's kind of telling the same story, but in a different different way. He's a loner who carries letters. He's a loner. Paper's very important. And he's just trying to survive, right? I really think it was him just trying to like atone for the water world for water world. But yeah. he didn't need to, and then he made a movie that didn't do well, because no one wanted to see him in another expensive epic. No. Costner, you know what's interesting about Costner is do you like if you look through his career, his highest so let me hit this real quick. I'm I'm gonna leave out Man of Steel, but his worldwide box office total. Uh so like aside from Man of Steel, you have Dance with Wolves. I mean it's a long movie, but it's not an epic. No. And that movie's long when it flies by. Beautiful like yeah, flies and it beat Goodfellas for best picture. It's crazy. And then you have Bodyguard, which I mean, you have the soundtrack. You know, if, you know what's interesting? If someone ever asked me, "Hey, Mark, what? Okay, you're you're a musician, and you want to, you can do the backing instrumentation on any song ever." I would say I want to be the saxophonist on "I Will Always Love You" by Whitney yeah. Houston. So when you when you mentioned the Bodyguard, I got super nostalgic because I have this, like distinct memories of being like in grade seven, I believe. And like going to a dance and being like, you could dance with some girls, but when that Whitney Houston bodyguard song comes on, you better dance with the girl that you really like. That that's the one that matters. Oh, that, that was our stairway to heaven. Huge song, and it's just. Uh, so I I'm gonna ask you a question. How many movies starring, not side role, starring Kevin Costner do you think have cleared 100 million dollars at the worldwide box office? Eight. So Man of Steel doesn't count. Right. Dance with Wolves is one. Bodyguard two. Robin Hood Pins of Thieves. Thieves is three. Waterworld is four. Hidden Figures. He's not the star. Okay. JFK five. And then he did Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit side guy side character. So he's only done five movies that have crossed one hundred. So Adam Sandler. What did, what did Untouchables do? What? What did Untouchables do? Oh man, uh, seventy six. But that's crazy, right? Yeah, like, I thought for sure. You know, Tin Cup only did fifty-four million, but if you would have asked me, I would have said one hundred and thirty. Well, so, what did what did Open Range do? Uh, oh no, not that much. That's a, near, that's a near perfect movie. Oh, near perfect. The 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 final fight, beautiful. That did sixty-eight million worldwide. The problem is westerns don't translate well worldwide. That's true. They're a, they're a North American thing. Stateside, it did 58 million. And if you think about 2003 with inflation, let me look at inflation. So with inflation, open range made about 89 million, which is big for for North America, Canada, and the states. And Western to make 89 million, that's huge. But it's kind of crazy that when you think about Costner, he's been around so long, but he's only been in five movies without you know inflation that have made. Over a hundred million dollars worldwide. What do you think that is? Well, I think again, I think it's his choices of right. Like, I, I think if he if he played the studio game and kept making bodyguard movies, then he he would have more up there. But when he does stuff that he wants to, and he he wants he loves baseball and he loves cowboys. Yeah. So he often plays movies about baseball and cowboys, right? So like, I, you can't fault the guy for doing what he loves. Like, how many baseball movies has he been in? All of them. And to be fair, Yellowstone's one of the biggest shows on television right now. Yeah. So I feel like he's he has a range in Montana. He's done his own way. Do you think Costner's kind of done his own way? 
I think Costner's done it his own way. I think he's had the success that many haven't had. Yeah. Right? Because there's some guys that haven't had that. And I think that like this mid-90s Costner was Costner at his peak, but I think he's reinvented himself for every generation that goes along. And he kind of like, he's never going to be like the leading man in an action movie anymore, but he will play the side guy in a Jack Ryan movie and do it and kill it. And be Superman's dad. He will be Superman's dad and tell him not to use his powers. He will do that. Hey, listen to our Man of Steel episode. That's actually really popular, the episode that you and I did. It just keeps getting listens. It's one of those episodes that just keeps – because people want to listen to that final fight. Do you want to know why, Mark? I can tell you exactly why people listen to that. Because people want to like that movie. Yeah, they do. They don't like it, but they want to like it. And so they're listening and they're listening to all the podcasts to see if there's somebody out there who has cracked the code about why they should like that movie. You, you know what's interesting is that there's thousands of – not thousands. There's dozens of variations of Captain America. There's dozens of variations of Batman. There's dozens of variations of Spider-Man. But for some reason, whenever someone does a different variation of Superman, which there have been dozens of them, yeah, people hate it. Because it's not Chris Reeve. Yeah, and it's just – now listen, should – it comes down to script writing. Should Snyder have made a movie where Superman has to kill? But I don't want to watch. Like, I, no one. Superman Returns. I enjoyed it, but no one likes it for some reason. So that's that's my second favorite Superman movie. Yeah, like, Superman the movie, and then Superman Returns. And it's just, I guess, no one wanted to see a nice movie with so Superman. Like, no one wanted to see a nice Superman movie. So. Zack Snyder goes and does something different, and everyone's like, that's not my Superman. I'm like, what's your Superman? Like, can you explain to me what your Superman is? Like, well. Now, I will say, Superman and Lois, the show that's currently on TV, is dynamite. Ooh, well, because it has a guy from Everybody Wants Him, and he's great. Yeah, Tyler Tyler Hitch, or whatever his name is. You know, I was in that show, Teen Wolf. I was a, a swim coach. I was a featured swim coach in Teen Wolf. Really? Season one. I am going to go home tonight and watch Teen Wolf and be like, I know that guy. There's a scene in there where they, I was paid to be a featured extra, and I was a, a swim coach. And I almost got lines in wow. that. Imagine you had lines in it. I'd be, I'd be SAG. I'd be with Costa right now in Yellowstone. Call him up. You'd be great in Yellowstone. Me and, me and Cole Hauser talking Too Fast, Too Furious? Yeah. I hey. think... I think you should have a walk-on part on to Yellowstone. You should be a ranch hand, <laughs> and you know you're one of those guys that lives in the bunkhouse. <laughs> I've just been there the whole time. You keep talking about Fast and the Furious, which, which is not <laughs> which is not a, a franchise that these cowboys enjoy. So, so I took a sip of water <laughs> when Adam was saying that, and I didn't know where he was going. I just spit. What? All over your mic. <laughs> it's on my mic. It's on the floor. That was be- uh, yeah, keep going. That's a beautiful idea. They come back and they're like, yeah, we got four- 42 head of cattle out there. One of them youngins is uh, turned sideways. You're like, we hungry. And they're like, stop it. <laughs> Hop, my stop it. And you're like, we hungry. And you just keep quoting Fast and Furious, right? Because they empty, cuz. Right? And then they'll be like, you know, we, we came back here, and uh, Tricky's still out there. He needs to get back. He, he was a little slow. And you're like, any racer can tell you. doesn't matter if you win by a mile or by an inch. Winning's winning. And they're like, shut up. And All right, then, Buster. 
you you get taken to the train station because you won't show up both fast and furious the train station i'm eating a tuna sandwich on the way there the whole the whole way there you think rip is like taking you away to like go see a movie or something he's like come on mark and you're like all right and you're just like so i think my favorite my, my favorite of the fast movies if i was gonna rank them we would go three six one four like you're like ranking you're explaining to him all about it he's like great mark great 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 stop for a second and just shoots you in the head and kicks you off a cliff there's water everywhere (laughs) (laughs) i even spit water i don't think i've ever spit water before laughing before your your office right now looks like water world yes and i think i would be the most hated water um water world yellowstone character ever like like wait so this guy was there the entire time but we don't meet him until season four. And then all he does is talk fast and furious. Right. Pockets ain't empty, cuz. Yeah, pockets ain't empty, cuz. Like, Rip, I'm like, man, you look like that guy from Too Fast, Too Furious, Rip. Yeah, and then they find out you've got a Pontiac Fiero hidden in the barn. And like, who's. Get this out of here, Hoffmeyer. <laughs> ain't a 10 second horse. 10 <laughs> <Ten> second horse! <laughs> They catch you putting, like, um, ground effect lights on the bottom of saddles so that the horse is a neon glow. Oh, man, my saddles, like, oh, my gosh, that'd be amazing. I think that that could be a real thing. We should start a business. I put Nas on the side of my horse. We'll call it horse tricks. Horse tricks. I like it. Trick out your horse. And then I get to, no, but then I get sent to Texas to be with that one guy. Yeah, to get better. And then, and then I come back. And I'm like a, the greatest cowboy they've ever met, but all I do is talk about Fast and Furious. No, you come back, you come back from there, and then Rip comes. This is amazing. You're gonna you're gonna love this. Don't take a drink of water here. <laughs> they have a nice. It's a, it's a panning shot. It shows you walking up over the horizon, and you're wearing a cowboy hat for the first time now. Before you were always wearing a ball cap, now wearing a cowboy hat. You got a good swagger to you. And Rip comes up to you, and he says, "Hey, Hoff, what's the best movie ever made?" And you look deep in his eyes and you say, Smoking the Bandit. And then you guys walk into the barn. Credit. He puts his hand around my back and yeah. walks me into the place. Dances yeah. with wolves. Right? Because Smoking the Bandit is, is, is close enough. It's, it's midway between Fast and Furious and Dances with Wolves. But it's country. It's country. But it's a fast car, but it's country. Oh. So I still – and then I turn around after Rip puts his arm around me. I turn around and I wink at the camera. Yeah. I Kaiser Soze everyone. And then Dom DeLuise runs in. <laughs> no, Sally in that, Field pops up. In that episode, Dom DeLuise would play a very serious, like, governor from another state. Being like, we need this Wisconsin. Like, Wisconsin needs Montana. Like, something like that. He plays a real bit part. Oh, what a beautiful thing. Hey, before we get out of here, let's do a Kevin Costner draft real quick. You get first pick. All right. So is there any Kevin Costner film? Yep. All right. I got to go. I got to go Prince of Thieves. He's my All boy. Right. Robin Hood. I put Robin Prince. Robin Hood. Prince of Thieves. I will do the Untouchables. No, wait. Yeah, the Untouchables. Nice. All right. You up, you're up. Blown Away. Not Blown Away. That's not my That's thinking. Jeff Bridges. No, I'm thinking No Way Out. No Way Out. Got it. No Way Out. I will do Bull Durham. Bull Durham? He's perfect in that movie. He's he is right like he he that movie he, there's not much wrong with it I'll say no. that right perfect movie perfect movie okay I'm gonna go with um I don't want I, like my mind tells me to go 
Field of Dreams, but like I don't want to do that. I want to go different than that. So I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with The War. Oh, The War. Yeah. All right, since you went so crazy, I guess I'll go a little bit out there. So you did The War, so now I gotta, I, I can't... I want to take Field of Dreams, but I won't, because The War's so out there. I'll take Tin... Is Tin Cup too easy? No, take it. I'll take Tin Cup. All right, what do you got? I've got um, 3,000 Miles of Graceland. Oh, you took my Kurt Russell movie. <laughs> I was going to do that next. All right, 3,000... All right, let's see. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Oh, there's so many good ones. I like getting a rumor has it. Oh, the Upside of Anger, he's really good in that. Yeah. Oh, Molly's Game, Let Him Go. Oh, you know what? I'm going to do Let Him Go because I feel like that movie's wildly underrated. I love Let Him Go. I love that. I love that you mature you mature pick there. That's really good. Have you seen oh, Let Him Go? I did. It's great. Oh, yeah. You got to watch it. All right. So the next movie is a movie I thought I was going to hate, and it's The Guardian. Ooh. Cool. I saw, I saw Kutcher was in it, and I was like, I don't want to watch a Kutcher movie. It's stupid. Then I watched it, and I was like, this movie's really good. Costner killed it. Dude, that snow plays. That snow play. That snow patrol song yep. during the trailer. That plays during the trailer. That sold it for me. So you have Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, No Way Out, The War of 3,000 Miles of Grace on The Guardian. I have The Untouchables, Bull Durham, Tin Cup, Let Him Go. And I, I won't do the obvious ones. I won't do Dance with Wolves. And if you can't do Dance with Wolves or Waterworld. <laughs> I need a revenge. Oh, I'll take Silverado. All right. It's a different Costner. Different Costner. Great Costner. All right. Hey, so before we get I out had, of here. Oh, so. Colorado box set that came with a deck of cards, like old timey playing cards. Dude, Kevin Klein, Danny, Danny Glover, Scott Glenn, what a weird cast! What's a beautiful movie? Yeah. Uh, Lawrence Kasdan directed it. Hey, before we get out of here, promote your show. I love your show. All right, yeah. So go check us out. Uh, go figure. We are on YouTube and Instagram. We collect old action figures, but mostly ones that need a little help, a little hug. And so we think of creative ways to to fix them up. We just restored a uh, Ghostbusters Ecto One. <clears throat> and that was more fun than it should have been. And so that, that was groovy. And uh, we actually have part two of the Robin Hood episode coming up next. I, I found the pieces yesterday to finish my King Richard figure. So I'm right now actually building a little guillotine to cut his head off. Oh, my gosh. For, for a bit. Y'all got to watch this show. It's unbelievable. There you go. It makes me happy. All right. Well, uh, thank you for joining me, man. This is always the best part of my day. All right, this is great. So for me, Mark Hoffmeyer, for Adam Hodgins, this is Movies and the Flicks. We'll see you next week.